Welcome to the Cattle Call Podcast. We are starting today another career call. Uh, and before we got, we call our guest, let me go ahead and call Brooke. Hello, Brooke. Hi, Pedro. How are you? Pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. Is it a good time for a call? It's always a good time for a cattle call. Great, great. So, Brooke, today we have uh, another guest from the Midwest, a little up north. Uh, so let me go ahead and call our guest today. Hello, Zach. Hello, Pedro. Hello, Brooke. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Great, great. So first of all, thank you very much for accepting our uh, invitation. Uh, today we have Dr. Zach Carlson. Zach is the uh, beef extension specialist at North Dakota State University, right, Zach? Yep, that's right. Okay, so and, and we'll be talking a little bit about um, his career, how he um, decided to go to grad school. I think Zach and I, and I like we are in the similar stage starting our careers. So I hope we can share something that he, he did during his short career with, with you guys that are listening to us. Uh, and I'm sure it will be a very, very nice story. So Zach, before, uh, I mean, not before, like the first questions that we always ask to our guests is, uh, where are you from and, and what do you do? So we get, get started with this. Yeah, so I'm originally from Minnesota, uh, just north of the Twin City, St. Paul, Minneapolis. And uh, so grew up there, and so I'm not too far from there now either, uh, in Fargo, North Dakota. So, um, yeah, as so basically, um, I uh, am assistant professor in the Department of Animal Sciences here at North Dakota State University, and then so that allows me. That's kind of where I'm positioned and on campus, and then uh, a majority of my job then is, as you mentioned, the extension beef cattle specialist. So, uh, working in all things beef cattle related. Great, great. So. So Zach, you just said you you grew up near uh, nearby a, a big city set like like Minneapolis, but were you involved in agriculture like growing up like uh, and how how did you decide to work with agriculture more specifically with with cattle? How did you decide to go? To, I'm assuming you went to animal science school. Can you tell us where did you go? How did you decide to do that? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I did grow up on a farm. Uh, uh, the part of the world I was in or grew up in was po old potato and dairy country. So we were on the dairy side of that, not not so much the potatoes. Um, but so I had we had about 100, 120 Holsteins, um, pretty common, you know, small family farm uh, for that time period growing up. And then we got out of that business. Dad sold everything um, uh, right around the early 2000s. So I was still fairly young. And I transitioned then uh, into more so, uh, you know, kind of the classical 4-H scene, right? Um, showing livestock, um, trying to show as many species as possible, right? And uh, in doing that... Um, I had met, uh, was doing chores for a neighbor and he was, uh, him and his family are really big into the show scene and, uh, showing Charlay and Red Angus. And so I got kind of connected with them in that way. And, and well, uh, it just so happened he was, uh, a, a PhD in ruminant nutrition. And so working for a company and, um, I kind of, as a, you know, in high school, uh, that, 
that era, you're trying to figure out what you're going to do with the rest of your life or even what you're going to do next week. And so I kind of clung to that and saw what he did, really enjoyed that or thought, you know, he looks like he he likes his job, loves his job, and 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 uh, he certainly does. And so kind of had that thought and process. So that, that naturally then uh, made me look at um, animal science programs in the, in the upper Midwest, um, looked at Minnesota's program, of course, and uh, South Dakota states and North Dakota states and ended up landing at uh, North Dakota State University. So one of the big draws was early, early on, I had at least thought I wanted to go to grad school. Mm-hmm. And so at that time, and this was in I was touring schools in 2009, 2010, mm-hmm. and um, they had just were just putting the final touches on their new at that time beef cattle research complex. So that that's their individual feeding system. And so anyway, long story short, that drew a lot of my. T- I figured, well, if they're building a state of the art research facility, they must do state of the art research. And so if I want to learn more about that and go to school. Maybe I should, you know, so that was actually a big draw for me. And so I ended up coming up here to, to Fargo and, and, uh, did, you know, the four-year classical program, um, and got very involved in undergrad research as I hoped to. And, uh, yeah, that kind of sealed it for me. And that's the, well, one thing that you mentioned, like that early on about, about your neighbor, uh, it's, it's really cool. I mean, I, I, it's. I would say not usual to see people who has a PhD quite often, like you had the neighbor. Is that so when you went to school, were you like when you first started animal science, undergrad, were you already thinking about going to grad school? Is that something that you had in mind? Like say, okay, I want to, and you never thought about being a vet or that's like a, a common thing that happens. Like, were you always driven by, okay, I want to go to grad school because I have this guy that I admire him and I want to be like him or something like that. Yeah. So I, um, I get the great pleasure of working with a lot of the same faculty now, right. That, that saw me 10, 10, 12 years ago as a, right. Just a kid that not knowing exactly what was going on in the world. Um, and so I had forgotten this story only to be reminded by my undergrad advisor when I came back here um, just just a little over a year ago was that um, I sat down in her office and, and she kind of asked that, right, that age-old question, what are you going to do when you grow up? What are you going to do after this? And so to your question, um, at that time, again, I didn't quite remember it, but she said right um, freshman year that I had said, well, I want to get my PhD and I want to be at that time, I thought I wanted to be a consulting nutritionist. And, um, and so I just said, so how can I best prepared to do that. So yes, the, the classic observation is a lot of students um, get kind of start getting their feet wet with animal sciences, thinking maybe the vet route and things like that. And for me, I took the, as much of the pre-vet uh, things as I could here, but knowing I wasn't ever going to go to vet school, I just wanted that, um, that more of a science focus. That's great. So because of that, were you exposed to research since like your first days in school? Like you mentioned, like you, 
you were talking with an advisor like early on. How how did you do that? Like when you first started, you said, I want to do that. So you knock at professor's doors and said, do you do research? And like, how can you go over that a little bit? Yes. Yeah. So um, that facility, let's see. So I came then in the fall of 2010 to NDSU and that facility was just putting the final touches on it. Um, the first uh, round of animals I think came in, in, in the spring of, of 11. And so I wanted to, yeah, exactly. Go knocking on doors. So my advisor, um, uh, Dr. Uh, Casey Maddock Carlin, she basically, she's a meat scientist up here. And um, she said, well, here are the people you got to go talk to and just start, yeah, having that conversation with them. So I did that and I ended up started as a student employee then at that facility and uh, right away and kind of saw what research was, right? Got to help um, a little bit as a student employee can and, and help man work animals and things along those lines. And then it would have been, yeah, into my sophomore year, uh, maybe junior year, somewhere right in there or uh, got actually to have a undergrad project. Yeah. So just kept asking those questions to those, you know, those, those uh, PIs, those advisors of, that were doing research and, and just found when the time was right, that they gave me the opportunity to do a little more work there. And so I uh, got to present research at the Midwest Animal Science meetings as a junior. Uh, and so did got that ball rolling as I had thought that's what I wanted to do and was reassured that through the experiences I had up here. That's nice. And then, okay, you graduated from undergrad. How was the transition to grad school? And how did you decide to go where you where you went? How, how was that uh, decision and the application? And can you just go over a little bit on that as well? Yeah, so it almost looks like um, saying it, though, you know, kind of talking how uh, my advisor, Casey, was helping me find, you know, undergrad research here. Um, pretty much similar system. She gave me, you know, maybe I don't quite remember how many names, but she said, here's five, six names that I know of um, out there and, you know, ask the rest of us. So luckily, you know, there's a, a strong ruminant nutrition team up here, Dr. Mark Bauer, Dr. Kendall Swanson, Dr. Joel Caton. And so I went to all of them. And of course, NDSU was a was a strong um, candidate or position that I, uh, for grad school and staying here and kind of building on what I had already uh, developed. And then I maybe had 12 other, you know, faculty across the U.S. And I reached out to them. Right. And you kind of you start funneling in who has funding, you mm -hmm. know, and those <laughs> things like that and who's got a position possibly. And so you go start having those phone calls, those email exchanges. And then I had whittled it down to um, three schools, uh, basic, well, four, NDSU, Nebraska, uh, Kansas, and Oklahoma. So I uh, should say Oklahoma State, Kansas State, and, and University of Nebraska there. And so, uh, and just went and, and interviewed, you know, at all three schools, toured all three schools down there. It was a really tough decision. Um, and, and ultimately chose Nebraska and, and, but I had, you know, that, that whole thing about, at least, I don't know if it, I don't know if it's still true, but a lot of people were telling me, you know, every 
every um, degree of, of your, you know, um, undergrad graduate program should maybe come from a different university, or at least you should try to gain as many experiences as possible. And I think that's still true to many extent, uh, or many degrees, but uh, I think there's, it depends, right? That That's Always. kind of the, <laughs> the yeah, on, on, on your relationship and things like that. And so I knew if I stayed at NDSU, uh, it would have been really good, but I needed to experience something else because I had already had a few years of just undergrad research, but I'd had exposure. I wanted to see something else. And so ended up landing with, um, so my advisor up here, Casey, it was one of her uh, college uh, colleagues. So they went to school. Jim McDonald is who I ended up uh, being advised by, and they had both graduated from NDSU uh, together. And so she knew him quite well. And yeah, I was able to go down there. And Jim's a North Dakota native. So uh, his brother actually still ranches uh, out west here. That's nice. And then, uh, so you decided to, to go to Nebraska and there you stayed for a master's and, and PhD, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's where maybe I'm biased in that thinking uh, sense. But yeah, it was got my feet wet. Um, initially, um, I thought I wanted to be a consulting nutritionist, right, or something within the industry in that in that regard. And so started off um, being co-advised by Jim and and Galen Erickson down there um, on and feedlot focused. Uh, so actually, I think. Um, I had gone down there the week, I maybe took a week off from graduation uh, of undergrad to uh, to getting down there. And in that time frame, I think two weeks later, I had started the first study, obviously tremendous amount of help, right? To, didn't really do much of it at all myself, but I was already in the mix. And so that transition you kind of asked about was this whole time I'd been building up an undergrad. I'm going to grad school. I really enjoy this. And I got down there and I was really enjoying it, but it was such a, uh, you're, you're making such a pivot from, you know, um, undergrad to this very heavy science focus, right? The, the jargon, right? The language, it's all, it's all different. And, uh, and so in that first year, it was kind of like I had almost, uh, thought back and it, it had nothing to do with the school. It was just how I was perceiving all these things. And decided I was like, well, maybe I'll just get my master's, right? And I'll just go out to the industry and and I'll start there. And um but it, it really all it took was about that year for me to get through kind of that just that initial phase, I suppose, or whatever. And then I really started to get a little bit more comfortable, right? Things started clicking, classes were making sense of what the research was and, and made it easier. And so anyway, basically halfway through my master's or so, I decided, oh, no, I'm definitely going to pursue a PhD somewhere and do something like that. So that's that's and then because I mean, assuming you had a really good relationship with your advisor and was doing nice work, that's you decide to, to stay in, in Nebraska for, for the PhD, right? Yeah, so they had um, given me a couple challenges in my master's outside of my research and challenges, uh, opportunities, I should say, um, kind of some some technician type responsibilities, uh, and so started to acquire a little bit more uh, responsibility within their system, 
And, and that ended up taking me uh, an additional year to finish my master's. So I had spent now, you know, at the end of my master's, I'm three years in now. I just graduated. And uh, obviously, at the end of that master's program, I was starting to consider where to go. Um, NDSU kind of had talks about coming back and doing some work up here. And then ultimately, um, UNL had offered me a, uh, or, or uh, I applied for a, a, basically a research coordinator position. Um, and that would, that would, you know, encapsulate my PhD as well as learning kind of the, a, lo a lot more about how research projects are managed, how they're designed and so on. And still thinking in my head that I wanted to be a consultant, but um, had seen some of the history, uh, a lot of consultants that are, are doing quite well in the industry had held some of these positions, the ones from Nebraska anyway. And so saw that as like, okay, you know, this, this obviously um, helped them through their program and, and, and beyond to be successful. And so took that position and stayed at Nebraska, did pivot a bit. So I was feedlot focused um, uh, and my master's did work, as I said, with Jim Galen and Matt Luby, uh, ultimately uh, actually uh, transitioned from co-advising with Galen to co-advised by uh, Matt Luby out in the Scotts Bluff uh, Research Center. And then um, and pivoted to more so systems work. Uh, uh, there's a big project that Jim got and that I got to be a part of looking at partial confinement cow-calf systems and then uh, did some grazing work. So kind of tried to pivot out and, and expose myself to some other research in that sense uh, while staying at the same institution. That's really nice. I mean, looks like you had a very broad uh, aspect of like focusing research, I would say not really focused, but like you had a lot of experience in different uh, scenarios of, of research. But one thing that I'm curious now, and, and that's our, we're going to go to that in a, in a second. You've been saying that you always plan to be a consultant and, and go to the industry. How was the decision to, okay, you graduated with your PhD and why you decided to go to academia and, and not, and not, uh, to the industry, and then you can we can start the conversation about more specifically what you do today. What are the things that you like about your current job? Maybe the things that you were not expecting to face while you were in grad school. Because uh, just let's go back and start with how how was the decision not going to industry and then going to academia, for example? Yeah. So one thing I was very appreciative in Nebraska is they bring a lot of um, alumni back in um, to talk with the students. And so uh, alumni from the graduate program. And so a lot of those have in the past been uh, um, feedlot consultants, independent or maybe working with a company. And so I felt like I was getting a really good understanding of what those jobs are like in those positions. And so knowing that there's this other piece right within, you know, this other area that we can go into, which is academia. Well, I really solidified or started to pivot away from the consulting thoughts be when I took that research coordinator position and you're basically um, 
you're between, um, and Nebraska has a fairly large uh, graduate group within the ruminant nutrition. Um, and so you're kind of, uh, uh, the in between the PIs and the students in terms of helping facilitate research, um, as well as helping the students, um, whether they're incoming or outgoing transition. And so um, I really, so essentially the, the, the mentoring capacity of that job that I had no idea would even be a thing or an opportunity for me to help students with really started to change my mind about, well, this is essentially in, in a way I kind of, you know, right, uh, having graduate students, not to say that, that, that wasn't the case at all, but that, that I started to kind of, I really actually, it was the thing I looked forward to the most was helping students click that whatever that was, you know, why we're doing something the way we're doing it or, and, and to see them, fully understand it or to see them start a project and, you know, very green, um, lots to learn still. And then when they finish it and go present it somewhere, uh, to see that, that transition, it's just, it's really cool. And so that got me kind of more grounded in the research, uh, of things. I really started to, to, to develop, a a, a strong, desire for uh, understanding research, doing research and everything like that, which is, I've had, I had that the whole time, I suppose, but um, really started to like two years into my PhD, I was like, okay, you know, you've got to start making right. A conscious uh, decision where you're going to try to end your, your uh, uh, end up or where your first job's going to be. And so with that coordinator position, I ended up doing an extended um, PhD, so extended master's, extended PhD, and um, there's a story to that that I can get to uh, in a little bit, but uh, essentially felt like, wow, you know, seven years of graduate school, everybody, <laughs> I was seeing people, you know, that I graduated undergrad with that were, that were out and getting jobs, and it, it was kind of, uh, it was a little bit hard, uh, at, at first, but, uh, Terry Kloppenstein, uh, talked with me and just kind of said like, um, there's, and, you know, I don't know what his position was on this, whether it was to just, cause now I value when you got good people keeping them around longer, right. It oh, yeah. helps the program <laughs> overall, but, but his intentions were, were on the students, of course. And he just said, there's, there's really no rush. You never know when the opportunity is going to come out. Um, it might look, you might feel like you need to get in and get out. And I think that's, that's a, a, a big um, issue. Students, they shouldn't have that thought. Uh, it's really about what you're learning and, and experiencing within your program. But so at anyway, uh, year two of a four-year PhD is when I, really latched onto that mentoring role that I got to have really started engaging in doing research and finding it very interesting as I got to be that person that saw the concept come from the advisor and got to actually make it physically happen with lots and lots and lots of help, not just from me, but got to actually follow it through and see something that I felt I had a little bit of, of ownership on. And, um, and so that takes me into my last year of my PhD to get to answer your question. Um, 
Dr. Mary Jernowski was a huge influence on me. Her position at Nebraska is um, about, I think it's the same as mine. It's 30% research, 70% extension. I might have that a little off, but either way, and, and I got to see she was she started maybe right after I did um, in my master's. So she had just became new faculty at Nebraska when I had just arrived. And I got to see her basically in that first, that first six years of her career and make the, you know, the transition she did and, and really admire the way she did things. And, and, and so she's a big mentor of mine and, um, and so that's initially, you know, that's where I latched on was I really appreciated the way she did things. Um, she got the to interact with, you know, folks actually, you know, do, um, out there in, you know, the, the farmers and ranchers that are actually, you know, following through with some of the research that we're doing, right, and, and taking concepts and things like that. And so it was kind of a way for me to maybe maintain a little bit of what I thought was that, that industry scope and actually interacting with producers um, and, and whatnot, but doing it through the, through the yeah. academic lens. Yeah. That's exactly the same, same thing that I, I thought like, but uh, that's, that's good. That's good. Uh, just, I mean, I was going to ask this question later, but uh, it, it, it looks like you, you really appreciate the mentoring role i would say that's that's like by doing that you kind of decided to stay in this position but it looks like it's really nice to see how much you appreciate your your mentors let's say starting from your neighbor that mm -hmm. you always admire passing through your advisor uh in, in north dakota casey going through jim caitlin mm -hmm. mary how to people who are listening to us and let's say starting school or planning on going to school or even any other positions, how was the decision uh, or how did you seek for, for mentors? And, and now being a mentor, how what do you look in a students or how do you seek for that? It's just like you mentioned, knocking at people's doors and, and going and talking to them. Is there anything specifically that you think you did and you would like to give as an advice to people who are listening to us? Yeah, great question. So I don't, I don't know if I ever really consciously pursued. It's a lot of now looking back, I see that all these people were playing a mentor role. I don't think I had identified many of those um, until after the fact, um, probably, you know, once, I realized in graduate school, a lot of people were recommending, you know, you got to find your mentors, you got to find, you know, the people that you respect and, 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 you know, somebody doing something you want to do, find them, learn that. And, but I didn't value that or even identify to try to find those people until probably late in the graduate school. Um, though I think I was, most of us are, I, I think all of us are always doing it subconsciously or, or choosing, right? You're trying to find the best school that piques your interests and whatever ways that is. And that's going to, you know, train you to the abilities you think, you know, and, and what you want to do. And by doing that, you end up, right, selecting those those people that play large uh, roles in, in your life uh, and at least in your career. 
And so, um, yeah, I would just kind of, I guess, go back to, I wanted to find what I perceived to be the best place to go do the best research to just the push to, to try to learn the most from the, the, you know, the, the place I perceived to be the best. And, and, and by doing that, then creating that list as an undergrad with my advisor, but okay, contact these people. And then just going in and reaching out to those people, I, I guess I wouldn't say I've, I've never considered myself a great communicator. Graduate school kind of forces you into that position uh, in a good way. Um, but I, I wasn't really ever in, in undergrad and, and even in my master's for sure. Um, but just kind of that pursuit to, to want to find, you know, the best place and then, and then go. And, and again, it's just all perception as to what, what is best. And, um, and then once you find somebody, I think now looking back, it's really, okay, what do I want to do leaving school and who has experience that can best, you know, at least tie into that, right? Um, in school, if, it, you know, if you're considering a master's degree, and then you're going to end up going into maybe sales, right, or something like that within a within a company or something, um, that might be hard to find, right, in, in terms of, uh, um, but in terms of school, uh, find that mentor that positions right within a sales uh, mentality or things but it's really i think um i think most people would agree uh by the end of all the schooling i realized it really never mattered what the class topic was and i tell this to my students about their research and everything too it's who's teaching it right it, i would take a class that has no um you know end focus on even uh, you know, agriculture or anything like that. If it, if I knew it was a well-structured and that person was willing to dedicate time, right. That's really what it is. Is somebody that values what they're doing in that position. So thinking about a mentor, it's somebody that, you know, has values, you know, everyone within their environment and their group and, and appreciates that and fosters that. I think that's to me, it, they don't even have to have the, um, you know, the same focus or the same area of interest as you. It's, it's really about knowing somebody that can share their experiences, share their knowledge. And that's, that's the only way I got to where I am is that, people willing know, to do that. That's nice. And, and that's a question that I quite often ask. Some, sometimes I forget to ask, uh, but, but you're not the first person to say this, like it, it, it came naturally. It's not something that I was seeking for. I mean, and we only see that after we can see it. Like we, like it's it's really really nice. Uh, but can you like you? And then you mentioned like you because of that. You, I'm assuming you decide to come to academia, go back uh, to North Dakota. You mentioned uh, about your role as mostly extension and, and research. Uh, can you just tell us a little bit what you do on a daily basis and just point out, okay, that's my favorite, the favorite thing about my job. And maybe the, I won't say the least favorite, but something that you had to face that you were not expecting uh, when you're finishing uh, grad school. Yeah. So um, I had mentioned about timing and being like, if you're in a rush, as I saw a lot, 
some students do that in their program um, and that I had a story for that. And I think this ties in now um, two years into my PhD, realizing I was making that transition to more academic focused, um, you know, Mary Jernowski helping me understand what extension is and those things, this job that I'm in currently opened up. So I was two years out from graduating, could not apply. Um, it wasn't, you know, I just wouldn't have been a, a quality applicant at that time for, you know, obvious reasons, couldn't graduate in time and um, really got bummed out because I wanted to move home. I thought, I thought in grad school, I was going to just keep moving away from home. And, um, you know, just Nebraska was the, the one step. And then I don't know where next was, but it was going to be farther from Minnesota. I thought not that I love my family and everything. I just, I guess I wanted to get out, right. Experience more (laughs) and more. And to me, I perceive that as geographically, I guess, Mm -hmm. um, got married in my master's, uh, and, um, had, some kids in my PhD. Uh, So uh, my wife and I started building a family that changed everything for me. Right. So now I was looking back, how can I go from Nebraska closer? And um, so that job that opened up um, in um, two years out from graduating here. So the one I'm in now, I was really bummed out. Right. I I kicked myself because if I would have just done a two-year degree and my master's and a three-year PhD, if you call <laughs> that the classic scope, right? I would have been um, able to apply for that job. But I think I'm not even sure if I would have done that, I would have had the same perspective or maybe even changed into the academic setting. And so I think for all students um, looking at, you know, what's next and feeling rushed as it, as you kind of, when you're in school, you're always building to the next thing. And when you can't see the next thing, it's, it's maybe very intimidating. At least it was for me. And so, and not knowing, right, what's going to be out there. And I think a lot of PhDs find them in that, find themselves in that situation where it's all about timing, right? And yes. so, yeah, so I think not being in a rush in any way, coming back to then, um, uh, I might have, you might have to ask your question again, cause I've, I've, <laughs> I've derailed us a little bit, but, um, but so then, yeah, just, I saw this position at the, the, who, who was in it prior to me just didn't work out. And so they ended up reopening it and it, it uh, the timing was, was, had worked out great. And, uh, um, again, it gave me that position that I, I knew I could mentor st- graduate students, uh, as well. So, but yeah, sorry. What was the no, original no, that's, question? That's, that's fine. It's, it's, it's about your current job. Like, what? Well, so you, you, it's really nice that you mentioned that because we are always, especially in grad school, we are rushing to finishing things and, and, and things for you worked out pretty well. And that's, that's really nice to hear that. But what, like in this extension role, what is, what do you do like more specifically and, and, and the question that I always like to ask is uh, things to be prepared in grad school that you are not prepared, like something like that. Gotcha. So in North Dakota, the extension system, every system's different, right? But uh, mm-hmm. uh, for the most part within each state, we have a county system. Um, we have 53 counties. We have 52 county agents that are agriculture agents. And so this position um, on the extension side is very focused on serving, you know, our stakeholders, which every uh, extension position has that 
objective across all universities, at least I think. Um, and so those stakeholders are the, the, you know, I think we, we instantly gravitate towards the, the cattle producers, at least as it relates to my job. But but there's also, you know, there's organizations within the state, um, whether that be, you know, uh, cattle focused associations and organizations, as well as then, you know, uh, serving to uh, better serve, say, our federal uh, facilities that be the farm service agencies, FSA, USDA, right, and those things. And then um, ultimately, you know, I'm, uh, you know, they the position's called a specialist uh, because I'm supposed to help the um, agents within each mm-hmm. county serve their beef producers. Oh, and so um, that's ultimate because uh, uh, our county agents can come from any wild variety of backgrounds. So oftentimes um, it isn't from uh, cattle focus, um, though we have some, but when you have 52 different agents, you've got lots and lots and lots of different backgrounds. And so, um, yeah, so essentially I've, I've now started to figure out uh, at least it took me, I'd say up to this point in time to really realize that it's the same as how I perceive graduate students as these agents, they're coming from all different experiences. And so it's, it's really about providing them, um, content, whether that be through extension publications or, or media uh, and things along those lines to help them stay current with what might be going on with their producers in their counties and helping them. So that, that's, a, that's a lot of what my extension job is. Um, but also I, get to, I do get to, and probably the things I enjoy the most, interact directly with the producers, whether that be somebody that calls my office, um, emails me, or we run into each other when I'm at a, at an event or something like that. And they, you know, they bring, bring up a question or something like that. And we get to talk about that. And, Great. And, and is there something that you, that you have to face today that you were not expecting to do in grad school? I mean, it looks like you were really well prepared during grad school. So that's, that's really nice for you, but is there something? Yeah, definitely. Definitely lots. I would say, um, you know, I had to seek out uh, and, and, figure more out about what extension is. Um, I didn't have any real exposure to it. Um, Galen has an extension appointment. Um, and, and of course, Mary does. But uh, so I, I had to figure out what it actually meant. And um, obviously, the my extension, uh, what I knew of extension was coming from Nebraska and their system. And so getting up here, it was kind of I had to rewire my thinking on on what extension is up here, which was fine, but it 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 took me a long time to 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 realize the system differences. On paper, you can see the system differences, and it makes sense. But then you got to figure out, you know, who the people are within those positions, how they interact, right? And and so, uh, um, yeah, from what was on paper in, in terms of the extension system, to to how it actually is functioning and operating we're just different and and so adjusting to that but but having really no experience in graduate school in extension right uh, um, program planning or needs assessments right I, I read about those things but never facilitated any of those or had any involvement in that and there's a lot that goes into extension um, that 
some some places offer those experiences and I encourage people to take those in and and it goes back to your mentor and finding somebody within extension that can highlight those for you to better understand what it means to serve in extension nice that's great that's great uh, I think I uh, run out of my questions now. Do you have any specific question, Brooke? Uh, or can we just go to the final questions? Uh, no other questions for me. Okay, so Zach, now let's go. It's I mean, it's it's been nice. I'm taking a lot of notes here and things that you're talking. Uh, really, really nice to hear about your career and how you you developed that. And it's a solid career so far. It's it's really really nice to hear that. Uh, now we we like to go to our final questions. Is is more to know about? We've been talking about your professional careers, or those are just quick and and questions to know a little bit more about you. And and the first question is uh, is always what is your favorite food? Yeah. So, I mean, I I don't want to be cliche, but <laughs> uh, I really enjoy right uh, uh, just a, a a ribeye steak cooked on the grill. Um, but again, that it's kind of cliche, right? That's a lot of our background in that sense. But so I really enjoy just a, a steak meal with potatoes, right? And a, and a vegetable of some kind. But I do have to plug uh, my wife, Molly. She has a really good hamburger soup. And I do not like soups very much. And that it's, <laughs> it's really good. So it's it's up there as well. Okay, that's that's good. You're pleased the industry and and, and your family. That <laughs> that's really important. Uh, what what is the the type of song that usually plays in your your radio or, or phone or what what do you usually listen? Yeah, so I, I you know I I end up finding out I don't read uh, for pleasure as much as as I think other people do, and so I try to fill my information while I have dead time, uh, considered dead time, whatever, driving, right, or something. Mm -hmm. So to that note, um, a lot of talk radio, news radio uh, mm -hmm. is what I listen to. Um, Music-wise, though, I enjoy um, uh, classic rock. Oh, oh, I suppose what my dad always had on the radio, uh, so 60s, 70s rock. Mm -hmm. That's nice. That's nice. What is something that you that you would like to go back uh, in the day and tell the young Zach who was finishing school, like something that you know today that you would like to know when you're finishing school? If you could go back and tell yourself, hey, follow this or just keep going, whatever. Is there something that you know today that you would like to know a couple of years ago? Yeah, I'd probably... The biggest thing is time management, I'm sure, as we all relate to that. And so I'd probably tell myself to establish earlier on time management, balancing it. You're forced to do that when you have a family, <laughs> um, you're, you're, right? Because you, you, can't, you can't ignore your family. You can't ignore your job or whatever you're doing. And so I would say, you know, before you're forced to do anything, it's always best To, to get a handle on it before that. So I'd go back and just say, you know, dedicate your time more consciously towards whatever you're trying to accomplish um, at that time and, and be structured about it and, and things along those lines. Really, really, really nice. <laughs> so, Zach, uh, yeah, those are, those are very nice, uh, nice answers. Thank you very much again. And uh, our last uh, question is, it's, it's about our kettle call top tip. Uh, is usually any advice or things. Uh, we've had books, research papers, podcasts, uh, audiobooks, 
anything that you would like to leave our listeners with that they could go uh, and start doing that right now? Uh, so that's our kettle call top tip. Do you have anything to leave our listeners with? Yeah, it was one that I was given a long, long time ago in uh-huh. uh, in um, the boot camp, feedlot boot camp. Uh-huh. Um, and it was to read The Fire of Life by Max Cleaver. And so um, I still have yet to read the entire book. I get through chapters at a time and then, you know, life. Um, but that that book, um, and it might shock you if you look it up, you can find it used. I found it used from a library and, and was able to get it uh, that way because it's fairly expensive, I think, and it just must not be a lot of copies. But the way it goes through, of course, uh, you know, if you're in nutrition, you know who Max Cleaver is. Um, the the book though works through as if it's a um, class. So each chapter is focused. There's um, there's analogies, there's problems, and there's answers in the back of the book, kind of you know like a classic textbook. But the book reads almost you know like a just lecture series, but but um, from from a long long time ago. So anyone that's interested in ruminant nutrition, I highly encourage you to find um, a copy if if you can't afford one you should be able to find somebody with one or whatnot but again look in the used because i was yeah it yeah, took me a while I, to find one but I, I did i'm laughing here because i also have that book and, and it's here it's somewhere I, like i i i also do like you do like it's it's reading one chapter at a time i thought man we should have a class about just this book it would be really really nice uh and i think that Jim Mochin also uh, mentioned this book on his uh, top tip, and that's why oh. <laughs> I, got, I got the book. Uh, but it's it's like you said, I, I I had to get used. I don't I'm not sure if they even have a new one, but but it's it's a very you have to dedicate some time to read the book and understand. But and I think I'm I'm still like before the half of the book, and I think that's maybe more complicated. But mm-hmm. hopefully, hopefully. Yeah, the rest is is going to be better, but it, it's it is a very very nice book, uh, and I'm glad that you mentioned that. Uh, so Zach, thank you very much. Uh, last but not least, how can people follow uh, your work, uh, your email, or do you have anything on the the North Dakota uh, Extension uh, website that you have there? Then you people can find more about you. Yeah, so I um I'm still working on being better on social media. So, mm-hmm. but I do have a Twitter that I maintain uh kind of both on the extension and research side of things. It tends to be better. I think Twitter tends to be better for um following, you know, people within academia and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But so I have a Twitter uh, um uh my handle is uh, uh NDSU cattle. So okay. real original in that sense. But um, that's where people can follow, uh, you know, some of the research that we, we put out or summarize and ongoing events that way. Um, I don't have any website yet. I've uh, been trying to think through that one to make, uh, enter, you know, a, a place that students can learn more about you without, you know, with ease, more easily. And so, been working on that one um in that sense but otherwise yeah if anyone has it hears this and wants to contact me my email um it's zachary.e.carlson at ndsu.edu but you can certainly find that too by just searching it 
Perfect. We will have all of this information in the, in the description of this episode. Uh, Brooke, anything else or? No, nothing from me. Okay, great. So Zach, thank you very much for, for talking with us. Uh, we appreciate your taking your time and uh, it's it's been nice. I mean, it, it was really nice to hear about your career. And like, like I've said, it looks like a very solid start and a lot of good things are, are coming. We are recording a, uh, another episode about some of the research that we're doing that will be in our uh, research call. But I want to thank you very much for uh, being here with us today. Uh, and yes, uh, anything else that I'm missing today? No, thank you for giving me this opportunity. I appreciate it, both Pedro and Brooke. It's, it's been great. Okay, thank you very much. For those of you who are listening to us, uh, you can find all of the, the, the information about this episode on the description of this. Uh, and also, you can subscribe to our newsletter to read the transcription of the episode uh, in our monthly newsletter. Uh, so, and if you have any questions, comments, send an email to kettlecallucd at gmail.com or contact us on our social media uh, pages as well. So, thank you very much. And remember, it's always a good time for a kettle call. Some cattle car.